Concern about high drug prices and substantial out-of-pocket spending for Medicare beneficiaries are leading policymakers to consider options for modifying the Medicare Part D prescription drug benefit. The redesigns that have been proposed would shift spending for relevant stakeholders and would shift benefit phases in various ways. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Stacey Dusetsina, an Associate Professor of Health Policy at the Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. Dr. Duzatsina has co-authored a perspective article on the implications of proposals to restructure Medicare Part D. Dr. Duzatsina, what are the limitations of the current Medicare Part D standard benefit design? Why isn't it ideal for beneficiaries or from a policy perspective more generally? So there are a couple of key problems with the benefit design of today. The first is that for beneficiaries, those who have a very large amount of drug spending like people who have cancer or other complex conditions. They don't have any limit on how much they have to pay out of pocket. So they have to pay a percentage of the drug's prices even after they reach what we call the catastrophic spending limit. Today, that's 5%. That doesn't sound like a lot of money when you think 5%, but when your drugs cost nearly fourteen dollars or $15,000 a month on average, that can really add up. So today's benefit lacks important financial protection for seniors. The other big component here is that it really puts taxpayers on the hook for a large amount of spending. So we've seen the amount that Medicare, the federal program, spends on prescription drugs has ballooned over time, and it's projected to reach nearly $90 billion per year by 2028 based on the prior growth rate. The first redesign that you describe in your article is the Department of Health and Human Services proposed rebate rule. So in what way would that proposal fix the problems with the current benefit design and what gaps would remain? So that proposal is one that has been very popular when you present the basics of it to consumers and to members of Congress. The idea is that prescription drugs usually receive rebates that are paid to your health plan after you purchase a drug. Insulin is a very good example of this, where the price, the list price of the drug on which patients' coinsurance or deductibles are paid is about twice as high as the net price, what your health insurance plan ultimately pays. So for a given fill of insulin, the list price may be over $500 and the net price closer to $200. So you could see where it would be frustrating to a consumer who has to pay the full list price that their health plan ultimately paid less than half of that. So the rebates proposal basically says that they want to take these rebates that are paid to health plans and provide them to the patient when they're filling their drugs. So that sounds really good, but insulin is an outlier. We know that there are lots of drugs, and many of the most expensive drugs get very small rebates. So again, if we think about cancer drugs, those drugs tend to have rebates of 13% or less. So if you improve the Part D policy just by sharing rebates with patients, it doesn't help everyone equally. The other parts of that design that are a bit of a challenge are that it doesn't change what the Medicare federal program pays. So the only real substantive change under that redesign proposal is targeting out-of-pocket spending and sharing rebates, but it doesn't address any other spenders or stakeholders in the system. So looking at a second proposal, under the redesign proposed by the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission, it would take longer for beneficiaries 
taking brand name drugs to reach the catastrophic coverage threshold. And once they hit that threshold, there'd be a cap on out-of-pocket spending. So what are the merits and drawbacks of that approach? So this approach is very smart. When we think about a couple of the key problems in the Part D benefit today, one, as I mentioned, is the lack of an out-of-pocket maximum. The other is that today's benefit encourages people who have high spending to use brands instead of generics. So we've shown in other research that if you filled high-priced generic drugs, you have to spend more money out of pocket than if you filled the same branded product in Part D. That's because of the coverage gap discount program, where branded manufacturers provide a 70% discount to people who are filling brand name drugs or biosimilars in the coverage gap. Today, that money counts as out-of-pocket spending. So what the MedPAC plan has done is they basically have removed the manufacturer discount from out-of-pocket spending calculations. What this does in principle is that it actually increases spending for some branded drug users, but it helps people who have very high spending by adding a cap. So this one is maybe putting some people a little bit worse off if they have spending in the $25,000 range, for example, They may see their out-of-pocket costs go up under this proposal, but people with spending higher than that may actually see their out-of-pocket spending go down. So, and then the third redesign that you described is from the Senate Finance Committee. It's a bipartisan proposal that you say would substantially reduce out-of-pocket spending for these beneficiaries with high drug spending. So, what implications would that have for drug manufacturers and insurance plans? So, the Senate Finance Plan is actually very similar to the MedPAC plan in design, except it lowers the out-of-pocket spending threshold to $3,100. So you have to spend less on prescription drugs to reach the out-of-pocket maximum. So under the Senate Finance Committee plan, while it adds an out-of-pocket maximum for consumers that is set at $3,100, saving them quite a bit of money, It does increase spending that is required by drug manufacturers and by health plans when people reach the catastrophic spending phase. Under that proposal, health plans would ultimately be responsible for paying 60% of drug spending in the catastrophic phase, and manufacturers would have to pay 20%. Under today's benefit, manufacturers pay 70% during the coverage gap, so they have a fixed amount of spending before they no longer have to provide the discount. Under the redesign, manufacturers would pay 20% indefinitely. So the higher their drug prices, the more of their drugs that are being filled in the catastrophic phase, the more money it costs the manufacturers in the discount program. So what's the pushback on these proposals? Which of the three do you think is the most politically feasible? So I think the Senate Finance Committee plan seems more politically feasible than some of the other plans. The rebate plan has a lot of support from the pharmaceutical industry, but is heavily opposed by the insurance industry and has since been terminated by the administration. So the proposal that they put forward, they have now stopped pursuing, although there's still discussion in Congress about incorporating some of the elements into proposals that are moving forward today. I think Senate Finance's plan is likely the most feasible, partly because it has similar design as the MedPAC plan, but doesn't increase spending for some beneficiaries the way that the MedPAC plan would. So 
So if I were a betting woman, I would put my money on the Senate finance plan. But of course, there are a lot of proposals that we're likely to see coming up in the future that may change how I'd like to bet. So in that regard, finally, you say in your article that none of these proposals address drug prices directly. And in a related perspective article, Frank and Nichols write that allowing the government to negotiate drug prices on behalf of Medicare could lower excessively high prices. What do you see the prospects for drug price negotiation or for other policies that would target the prices themselves? So those may be even more challenging to pass in Congress than the redesign efforts for the Part D program, because negotiation and the path to regulating drug prices is highly controversial and sometimes a partisan issue. So I think that it is important that we negotiate for drug prices and develop ways to be more intentional about how prices are set. Otherwise, efforts to cap out-of-pocket spending could backfire. For example, if we implemented the Senate Finance Committee plan tomorrow, we might expect that manufacturers would raise their prices by at least 20% to offset any assumed losses that they would have by the redesign of the plan. So I think we need to couple these efforts with smart negotiation for drugs. And that includes thinking about how to set reasonable prices when drugs first come to the market, but also slowing the growth in drug spending. And part of the Senate Finance Committee package attempts to do this by introducing inflationary penalties for drug price increases. But again, you want those coupled with real intense negotiations around initial prices. Thank you, Dr. Ducetzina. 